to It's a Musical Podcast, a podcast show where I force my boyfriend to watch musicals and then we talk about them. I am the boyfriend. I am Drew. And this week we are on our third Rodgers and Hammerstein endeavour mm-hmm. in your endless pursuit to turn me round and become a fan. Yeah. And what better way to try and turn me round than a carousel. Yes. Which constantly goes round and round and round. As we go round and round and round trying to please you and your musical tastes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not the Grinch. No. I can be appeased. Yes. You're just not finding the correct musical sacrifice for me. Okay. Sure. Well, we are watching... Carousel this week. Yes, which is something I know very little of. Yeah, I was going to say, because you don't have any notes in front of you. No. I know one song. Which is? What's the Liverpool song? What is, oh, You'll Never Walk Alone. You'll Never Walk Alone. God. That comes from Carousel. Yes, it does. That is all I know. That's the only thing you know from it. Yes, I know that a character is never going to walk alone. Okay, do you have any idea what that song might be about? Nope. Not the foggiest. Well, like, what is it supposed to be about in the context of football? I don't know, Liverpool sing it. I could could ring my brother right now and say, why do Liverpool have You'll Never Walk Alone as their anthem? Because he's a Liverpool fan. Yeah. You can ask him when we're watching it. Yeah. And then we'll talk about it afterwards. Yeah, so that is all I know. Now, it being called Carousel, mm-hmm. it kind of makes you think like it's going to be set at a fairground. Sure. Because, like, you get carousels. Is it Carousel a merry-go-round? Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. So, you get Yeah, those... so we're, we're English. We call them merry-go-rounds. Yes. But it technically, yes, is a carousel. Think of the big... We've been watching the Imagineers story. Yeah, the, one, the big ones you have at Disney and... Doesn't Mary Poppins famously turn one into... Yeah. yeah. So, I know what a carousel is, so mm-hmm. in my mind it's kind of fairgroundy. Yeah. It's not going to be one of those ones you get from little kids that have, like, Thomas Tank Engine and Woody and Buzz Lightyear No, probably on. not. This is a more eloquent carousel. Yeah. So, Carousel is the second musical that Rodgers and Hammerstein wrote together. So, Oklahoma and then Carousel. Yep. Okay. Based off of the success of Oklahoma, they wanted to collaborate on another piece, but they knew that anything else that they did would be compared to Oklahoma. So they got the rights to write a musical based on a play from 1909 called Lillum. So they've again done the same thing as before. They've taken someone else's work and they've adapted it. Yes. Not not a criticism. No, but adaptationally... This is where they're going. Yeah. Came out in 1945. On Broadway, obviously. So it predates the Tonys. Yes. So usually every week I look up how it did at the Tony Awards. And this one, when I looked at the the awards for it, it says it was not able to be nominated for anything because it predates the Tonys. The Tonys started in 1947. Will... Revivals of it be eligible. Yes, but it won a Theatre World Award 
the New York Drama Critics Circle Award and the Donaldson Award all around when it came out. So it's got a claim when it comes out. Yeah. Then the Tonys are created, but it doesn't get a revival until 1958. Well, so until 1957, 1958 Tony Awards, and it was nominated for one category and it didn't win. And then it goes to London in 1992, wins... Is that the first time it's in London? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It took a long time. Yeah. This is another one that kind of was a bit lost on English audiences. The name like Carousel. Mm. It's not English vernacular. No. And also, some of the subject matter didn't sit well with England in the 90s. People weren't really, like, taking it. It won four awards at the Olivier's. Then... 1994, it got a Broadway revival, and that's when it was nominated for Tony's. And how did it fare there? It was nominated for five Tony Awards, and it won all of them. Cool. But that's all under revivals. So it won Best Revival, Best Featured Actress, Best Direction, Best Choreography, and Best Scenic Design, which are all great categories, but it is a shame that when it came out, that it was such a big deal, but that the Tonys didn't exist yet. Yeah. Okay, so it's got a controversial kind of subject by British standards, or would you say more global standards? I would say global standards. Is it something that's going to have aged as badly as poor Judd is dead, do you think? I think worse. Oh, wow. Really selling me on this one, Drew. Yeah, no, I know. I'm sorry. But... There are a lot of comparisons between this musical and a certain Christmas movie that you like, so... Wonderful Life? Yeah. Okay. That was a good guess. (laughs) You could have been like, oh, is it love actually? (laughs) Is it love actually? Is it the Grinch? Is it (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. You told me when this was first kind of formed Mm -hmm. in in the 1940s. It's not going to be Home Alone, is it? (laughs) No, probably not. Okay. So then is it that kind of somebody wishes their life was better and then realises that their life is actually better as it is and they've made people's lives better? So is it like he's on a carousel and he's going through the years and the carousel takes him through the years and he realises, oh, wow, 1930 would have been a lot worse if I wasn't there. That would be a very good musical. (laughs) Time travelling carousel. Time travelling carousel. I'm here for that. No, that's not not what happens. But you're along the right kind of lines of looking back at life and thinking, "Wow, I really messed that one up." So and this has got very stellar competition then. Yeah. In terms of the wonderful life thing, you've got it's a wonderful life. You've got Shrek Forever After, which is just it's wonderful. It's life. it's wonderful life. You've also got Turn Left, the Doctor Who episode. Oh yeah, I haven't watched that. In- a very long time, but yeah, that's good. So I like, I like that sense of story of. I know you're not the biggest fan of it because like some characters no, no. don't deserve redemption. I don't have a problem life. with that that storytelling method. Yeah. I just don't like it's wonderful. <laughs> I really like that storytelling method because mm. it's something that I think everyone can appreciate well hindsight is 2020 yeah yeah and that kind of butterfly effect if you go back and you change one thing 
the world doesn't improve. Mm -hmm. That's another film I like, the kind of time traveling and changing things and kind of removing the presence. Yeah. It's darker. I like that storytelling. Mm -hmm. So that intrigues me with Carousel. But it also, if it's done badly, I've got loads of other references to kind of be like, hmm. It's true, but you have to look at it from the perspective of this came out in 1935. Oh, 100%. This is predating quite a lot of these yeah. things. Yeah, 100%. And obviously a lot of movies use the It's a Wonderful Life storytelling style, like Groundhog Day is very much a play on Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, storytelling, but a lot of it is also going to come from kind of this. Well, and then obviously the yeah. play that they're basing this on. Essentially, all these ones that are future versions will have taken that formula but improved it. Yeah. With... So you have to see this as kind of a starting yeah, point. Yeah, it's similar to things we get in wrestling. It's like, there's a very famous type of match called the ladder match where you've got to climb a ladder. I've and seen, listen. yeah. So, I'm aware of a ladder match. The very first ladder match... A lot of people are like, oh, it's amazing because it's not stunts. It's more like it's still a proper match and you just climb it. Yeah. However, later ones, there's a lot more kind of stunts and people prefer those because it's like, it's like watching a car crash. Right. You know, like the monster derby type thing. It's that kind of, you can't look away, you're hooked on it. So they, ref they, they kind of adapted the formula there. Some people like the older style, but some people like the newer style. Yeah, I know, I get what you I My get what you're going with. This. Like where Carousel's yeah. going to be is like it's the original ladder match, mm -hmm. and I've got to get rid of my modern sensibilities and appreciate it for what it is, kind of groundbreaking storytelling. Yeah. Okay, I'm intrigued. I really am intrigued. So, when this opened on Broadway in April of 1945, the dress rehearsal the day before had gone so badly that they had actually re-choreographed a whole scene and given it to a different choreographer to wow. re-choreograph because the version that they were doing, Rodgers and Hammerstein and the directors, felt like it just wasn't working and they needed to change something. Were they very hands-on then? Yeah. So they would work with the directors because... It's their vision. They wrote the book and the music, so yeah, they're going to be pretty much in charge. Yeah, I've never really asked you how that works because I guess in my mind, if you write it mm -hmm. as a musical, like, yes, you know the orchestration and the music, but you don't necessarily know the acting side of it. So but I think you have your vision for what's happening. Yeah. Especially because with this musical, Rogers essentially wanted it to be, like, a operatic musical in the style of Phantom and Les Mis and all those great ones that we talk about. Yeah. But... Because of that, he had a very specific vision for what he wanted to happen in certain scenes and certain bits of music that had been written. He had like the, this vision of what he wanted to happen. So then you work with your director and your choreographer and you say to them, okay, well, in this scene, this scene's a, essentially a pantomime and within that, this, this, and this needs yeah. to happen. Go. So would it be, to go back to another musical that we talked about, The Producers... Mm -hmm. Rodgers and Hammerstein are taking on the role of the producers as well. Like they would need to finance it, and they yeah. probably have other producers there, but they then find a director that works with their vision. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So obviously at the time, they had actual producers. Yeah, some people would have needed to fund them. Yeah, which was not for them. Yeah. 
but they would have taken on that kind of role that we saw within the producers of being quite hands on with you know choosing their team mm -hmm. okay cool um making that change of of choreographer worked yeah for them but rogers got in an accident the week before the show opened and had injured his back and wasn't allowed out of the hospital oh no and then the week they opened he demanded to be there at opening yeah so they took him on a stretcher just put him backstage, off stage, on a stretcher, dosed him up on morphine, and were like, we'll come back for you after the show. So he saw... As far as omens go, that's a pretty weird one. I know, right? He saw half of the show, essentially, because he couldn't really see the stage from where he was. Yeah. And also he was very drugged up on morphine for pain. So he said that he couldn't hear anything that was going on the stage. He couldn't hear the music couldn't hear the audience or the laughter or applause or anything. He couldn't hear what the actors were saying. He assumed it had completely bombed. Because oh, he couldn't him. hear people reacting to anything. But it wasn't until he left the theatre afterwards and people were congratulating him. That... <laughs> Which must have been a weird kind right. of thing for them to come up to his guy on a stretcher, like clearly zoned out, yeah. shaking his own congratulations. Well, apparently one of his friends went up to him and was like, that was brilliant, aren't you so pleased? And he was like, what? Nobody even clapped. And his friend was like, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. That's brilliant. Yeah. Roger's daughter, yeah. Mary Rogers, was there. And... Her and her friend Stephen Sondheim both burst into tears in the audience while watching the show. Because it's beautiful moving or? Yeah, because they were enjoying it so much. But how funny is that? They were both teenagers at the time. What I love is that clearly Sondheim has been so influenced mm. by Rodgers and Hammerstein. Like, and we see people as well that we've watched shows that are kind of more recent than Sondheim where you can feel like, they've definitely been influenced by Sondheim. Absolutely. And I love that it's kind of the, a relay race. You know, yeah. you pass the baton, so you're there. Mm -hmm. You're watching this, you're absorbing it, and you're going to take that kind of technique and, again, improve on it. Yeah. You know, Sondheim is very similar. The few Sondheims that I know I've seen mm -hmm. are similar to the few Rodgers and Hammerstein I've seen. Yeah. Like, in terms of the singing style, like, that's what I picture it. So it's really nice mm -hmm. to see that he's there and be like, Wow, yeah, this is what I want to do. Yeah. So then it went on tour mm -hmm. a couple of times. In 1949, it got revived on Broadway. In 1950, it did come to England. Yeah. It was off West End and it lost half a year. Oof. Yeah, I know. Not even long enough to be in a nomination category for no. anything. Then it did a couple of New York revivals, but they're called like city centre revivals yeah. because they're not on Broadway. Yeah. Then it went to the Lincoln Centre in 1965, which is very prestigious. If you are performed at the Lincoln Centre... Is the Lincoln Centre in Chicago? It's in Manhattan. Okay. I just, I always assumed it was Chicago, like as if you've gone on tour. Because I, I kind of, in my mind, Chicago is a big artistic hub as well. Yeah. And you've got a few places where it might run as its own thing. Yeah. In Los Angeles, in mm -hmm. New York, and I always just assume that you see a lot of things in Chicago. Things tend to open in Chicago yeah. and then like trial run there mm. and then go to Broadway. Yeah. But um, the Lincoln Center is two things. One, 
very prestigious if you are performing your show there you know you've kind of done it yeah and two a place to take a show if you are doing a revival but you want to revamp it somehow which the version we're going to watch is the revival revamped at the lincoln center yes it is the uh broadway revival revamped for the lincoln center cool yeah so it's we are watching broadway fridays live from the lincoln center carousel which is the new york philharmonic cool with the cast the awesome version is Kelly O'Hara, who I love, and Jesse Mueller, who you know. Yes, and love on the soundtrack to Waitress. Mm-hmm. And also the New York City Ballet. Nice. She's somebody, like, I, you know, we've seen Waitress a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen it twice, but... Yeah. I would love to see a version of Waitress where she's returned to the role. I think, I feel like that's the final, like bucket list of waitress to see it that way we've seen it with Sarah Bareilles like yeah that's big bucket I list. saw it with um I'm not gonna room to remember her name now but the the girl from Smash cool. who you won't know you haven't seen Smash we need to watch that but yeah she was great Kelly O'Hara is very famous and I love her she was in the King and I revival version yeah. that got shown in cinemas a couple of years ago I was desperate to go and see it, ended up not being able to go. So at some point, I'm going to get it on DVD so that we can watch it. Yes, because you said that's probably the best way for us to watch King and I. Yeah, the only way I think I'm going to get you to like King and I is if we watch a stage version, which is why with this one, we're watching the Lincoln Center version. Cool. Because... Is there a movie version? Yes, of? there is a movie version. And it is not my favourite thing in the whole world. Was that released soon after Oklahoma? The film version, is it? The film version was made in 1956. It's got two of the actors from Oklahoma in it. It was the main actors, wasn't it? If I'm yeah, and thinking. it was released literally months after the film version of so Oklahoma. So they literally just filmed them back to back and tried to capitalise. Mm-hmm. Um, most of it was filmed in Maine, same as Oklahoma, ironically filmed a lot of their outdoor shots in Maine and they just it got some good reviews but it's not the film's not well received because Oklahoma was quite well received the film yeah Oklahoma was really well received because people were getting to see see it for once and then releasing Carousel so soon after I think actually is was the problem if they'd have done it like a year later and built up to it yeah, I think they could have done a really good job with that, but when you've just had Oklahoma, people are just going to compare them, which is much to Carousel's disadvantage yeah. okay. at the time. Yeah, it. The film version does not do a good job of making the problems with Carousel better, okay. which is why we're watching the Lincoln version, is because they have tried to fix some of the problems. Noticeably, there is a song removed okay. from the version that we're going to watch. Is that one of the problematic songs? Yes. The song that is removed is basically about how all women should date a man that's bad for them because you can trust a bad man to always treat you badly. But if you date a man that says he's a good person, you're always going to be lied to. Which is such a weird sentiment. Yeah. I'm not sure where they were going with that. 
and I hate it, but like... You have to show me the song at some point. It'd be interesting yeah. to see what it is like. That's good. That's why I like modern revamping, is mm. that you can address more problematic. Obviously, I don't want everything to be censored. I fully appreciate that some things just have to be performed in their original way. We have to appreciate yep. this is the historical context in which it was done. Mm-hmm. However, I also think when you know it's going to perhaps cause more problems than it is going to help, yeah. the right thing to do is cut it. Definitely. Before we go and watch it, fun fact, when it was up for a Tony for Best Revival, it was up against Greece. And it won, didn't it? Over it beat Greece. Greece, yeah. Okay, that is a fun fact. Super interesting. Right, honest thoughts before we watch this. Do you think I'm going to like it? I think you'll like it more than Oklahoma. Okay. I hope you will enjoy it. It's got a lot of themes that I think you're going to like and things that will be interesting to talk about. Okay. Cool. Well, Drew is never going to walk alone. <laughs> sure. Because I am here to support you. If you love me, you'll be here to support me. Is that a reference? Yes. Do you love me? Will you love me forever? Do you need me? What's that from? It's Meatloaf. Paradise by the Dashboard Lights. Is that Meatloaf? It is Meatloaf. I only know that from Glee. <laughs> it's it's a very good Meatloaf song. Like all of his songs, it's about ten minutes long. Oh, excellent. We're off to go ride on a carousel. Yes, indeed. See you soon. <laughs> Yes, for one day only I am back. I chose to make today the day I change. Excellent. I'm <laughs> so glad. Does that mean you're going to be positive the entire time and say only good things? This might be the most positive <laughs> Rogers and Hammerstein so far. Okay, well that's good. We're not at Pride and Prejudice, Hamilton, Newsy's level of positivity. Yeah. But we're not at Oklahoma or Cinderella levels of negativity. Okay, that's, that's good then. I think it does help when you see it in an environment like this. Yeah. In something that's different to look at and with a cast that are very capable. Okay. 
like they they do a fantastic job. The songs are quite old fashioned. Yeah, I agree, and it is operatic. Yeah, which I don't have an issue with. But you've got a cast that are very talented and very easy to engage with. Mm-hmm. So. Definitely more so than the movie, which is why we watch this. Version. Yeah, I, I get the sense that if I was to watch a movie of this, I wouldn't like it. Mm-hmm. I think because we're watching people like Kelly O'Hara, people like Jesse Mueller and Nathan Gunn, yeah. I've enjoyed it more. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of idea that the cast make the performance Yeah. for me. Interestingly, because the Lincoln Center version one is from 2013, mm-hmm. we have Jesse Mueller playing Carrie, who then in 2018 went on to play Julie Jordan. Cool. Yeah. And then Lindsay Mendez stepped up to be Carrie, who I love Lindsay Mendez. I wish that we had that version to watch. I love Kelly O'Hara, but I think seeing Jesse Mueller as Julie and Lindsay Mendez as Carrie. It's almost a shame that they haven't put both versions up for you to kind of watch and compare. Yeah. Like, well, the the 2018 version, which is the Lindsay Mendez version, that's not the Lincoln Center. That's who's Broadway. Lindsay Mendez? She was Alpha. Oh, okay. Yeah, and she's amazing. I saw her in Greece. Cool. And she played Jan in Greece, and she's like the biggest upstager. Ever. Yeah, but Jan is that role, isn't it? Oh, 100%. She? But you know Mooney? Yes. There's a great video where she... I know Mooney. Yeah, I know. There's a great video where she's on Seth Rudetsky's show, which if you don't watch that on YouTube, you definitely should, because I love him. She goes on and she talks about her career, and he says to her, I saw you in Greece when you were Jan, and I listened to this cast recording, and I wanted to know the entire time who was this girl that was so upstaging the guy playing Roger. Yeah. She's so funny. She's just... And they did a Broadway.com, like, behind-the-scenes carousel series, yeah. and she was the one running it. That's cool. And I just... I love her. I think she's great, but she's not in this version. I don't think I'll ever be able to watch a version of Grease and Jan and not think that, like, our Jan was better. Our Jan was amazing. Yeah. Like, obviously, I am heavily Jan's biased. the best role, though, oh, right? 100%. <laughs> Like, 100%. Like, Rizzo's a great role. I would never want to be Sandy, but I'm just... I think they're all good characters for different reasons. But being Jan has to be the most fun. Yeah. 100%. Exactly. And if you've got somebody who brings the fun to Jan, it's even better. I wouldn't mind playing Rizzo, just because I think I'd enjoy being really horrible to people. Yes. Yes, I'm I'm fully aware of that. I've never played a villain. Have you not? I prefer playing villains. I'd rather be a Bond villain than Bond. Well, Bond doesn't have a personality. No, but my point is, like... I know what you mean, yeah. It's always more fun to try and make the audience hate you. Yeah. Which is why there are so many good villain characters out there, because mm-hmm. you can do more with it. So, Carousel. I think it's really interesting with this version that the orchestra is very visibly on stage. Yes. I like that as a dynamic. There's some occasions, though, where I think it's to the detriment because it does feel like we're watching the proms more than we are. Yeah, I the get show. that. However, it being the New York Philharmonic. Yeah. I don't mind. Yeah, we're fine. <laughs> I'm completely fine with that because they are so incredibly talented. Yeah. And I think that this production as a whole captures it brilliantly. 
a range of the different arts, mm-hmm. which is something I really like, that you've got the opera, you've got the orchestration, you've got performance, you've got dance, and you've got ballet. Yeah. This performance was really, really fantastic to watch for that reason. There was one moment, though, where I got confused, because of where the conductor is standing. Oh, yeah, I think it sometimes was detrimental because you lost focus on maybe yeah i don't know there was sight lines or i think it was blocking. a sight line yeah uh, for from the camera of just there was a moment where billy and jig were like on stage together and i was trying to figure out who this third guy on stage was yeah. and it was the conductor and that's just me being dumb but the way that the camera was aimed you couldn't really billy was kind of behind the conductor mm-hmm. and so that got a bit confusing but i think it comes down to ultimately poor direction with the poor camera. camera direction yeah, yeah not poor direction of the production just no because i think filming. From the way that the audience was laid out, he would never, you would yeah, never have exactly. lost him. We've talked about how these performances can sometimes have beautiful moments like Pride and Prejudice where Elizabeth just stepped into view. Oh, that was amazing, though. This is one of those times where it's kind of to the detriment. Mm-hmm. Again, Hamilton, brilliant moments, just front and centre whenever anyone stepped forward. You know, yeah. Hamilton's film version is great. Mm-hmm. This one was great, but just a few moments where it's yeah. clunky. I agree. We kind of start straight into the middle of it. Like, I like it when things start in media res, that we just meet Carrie and Julie, mm-hmm. and they've been kicked off, kicked out of the carousel grounds because they're getting too close to Billy Bigelow. Yes. Straight away, we kind of know what's going on, what, mm-hmm. where this is going to go. Yeah, and we're told that Billy is a carnival barker. Yes. Did you know what that was? Yes, I've taught lessons on it. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, no, you do, don't you? Yes. I've watched one of those. Yeah, and a carnival barker is inherently more attractive to an audience if they're not married, basically. Yeah. So we're introduced to him, and he's known for getting all of these girls to fall in love with him and then leaving with the carnival, so... Yeah. So I, I thought this would have been set more at the carnival, and obviously it was set elsewhere. Yeah, because set... the first thing that happens is that he's fired. Yeah. Basically. So, we yeah, we get a few songs. You're a Queer One. Julie Jordan. Julie Jordan. Yeah, between Carrie and Julie. Yeah. Where Julie kind of won't admit that she does have a crush on Billy, but because she knows she's never going to get married she's not interested in getting married even though she really fancies him so then Carrie tells her how weird she is it's kind of the first half an hour of the play is yeah. this dynamic we you know I didn't have much to say about that one it was just kind of introductory introductory beautifully performed and where you go to when I marry Mr Snow love that song I had to ask you though are they sisters because there's a very sisterly bond between these characters yeah. Yeah, so they both work at the mill together, yes. and the mill has a boarding house where they stay together, so they are that close. So if they have a boarding house, is that because they have no one else to look after them? It's because only women work at this factory. Yeah. And factory, at the mill. And if you have women working there, they are unmarried women. 
Mm-hmm. So either you are an unmarried woman and you come from your parents' home and you go and work there. Yes. Or you're an unmarried adult woman and you go and work there and you live there as well, at which point there is a curfew. So there are no men there except for the guy that runs it and yes. probably a foreman. Yes, because we get mentioned in a moment of a curfew. Yeah. I didn't quite understand that, but obviously I think that's because it's a different world. Yeah. So it wasn't something I'm, I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. It kind of works the same way as in Les Mis. Fontaine's definitely living in some kind of boarding house with all these other women. Yeah. Like it that's is this basically the same job that she's doing. Yeah, I just I never thought of women having curfews like that. Like obviously it shows that this is old fashioned. Mm-hmm. I don't know when this is set, so I'm assuming like early nineteen hundreds. Yeah. Maybe, you know, late eighteen hundreds. Mm-hmm. But yeah. By the clothes I'd say early nineteen hundreds. Yeah. So, Jesse Mueller, I've just got to say, absolutely phenomenal singer. Mm-hmm. But so adaptable, because this is a very different style than I'm familiar with her. Yeah. I've obviously heard the Waitress soundtrack, which... And you've heard Beautiful as well, which is also... I've heard you play Beautiful, yeah. yeah. I couldn't tell you which ones are her singing as opposed to other people, but... I've, I've only got her. Okay. <laughs> but she's doing such a different style than what I'm used to hearing mm-hmm. from her. And her range is just brilliant. Yeah. I like it when you can see that performance aren't, sounds negative, but a one-trick pony. Yeah. You get people who obviously, you go for baritones, for instance, mm. and you do baritone roles. Yeah, well... And you were saying to me during Pride and Prejudice, it was nice to see an auto role. An alto playing a yeah. protagonist, because you don't often get that. There really aren't any sort of classical protagonists. Yeah. Which because is... Protagonists are generally ingenues who are usually sopranos or at least mezzos because you want to hit those I'm so sweet and lovely and I sing nice and high up here. Think of Sweeney Todd. So for me, seeing Jesse Mueller in this role and doing a completely different style, that's Mm -hmm. just fantastic. Yeah, really, really enjoyed that. I don't know much of Kelly O'Hara's back catalogue and I've never heard of Nathan Gunn before so I can't speak to that but I'm sure... Kelly O'Hara, she is a classical musical theatre actress. These are her kind of roles. Yeah. Like, she's in The King and I. She's also in the other Rodgers and Hammerstein from the Lincoln Centre. Oh, my God, I was in it. South Pacific. Yeah, South Pacific. And all of those sort of Rodgers and Hammerstein style musicals, that's very much her sort of domain. Cool. I think she's been in every Rodgers and Hammerstein show. I could see her being... Maria. King and I, yeah, I think the only one she hasn't done is probably Sound of Music. I'm yeah. sure she has. I could look it up, and yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of I could this. totally see her doing a great Maria. Mm-hmm. I could also see her doing a good Fairy Godmother. Yeah, absolutely. Or Evil Stepmother. I could see either one of those. Yeah. she's She always plays the sweet ingenue lead, but usually she plays the adult sweet ingenue lead so like in carousel and oklahoma you have your two sets of lovers it's the same for south pacific and she always plays the main one the one that has the struggles and doesn't get to be with the person that they love or 
does but not in the way you think or has to sacrifice something as opposed to the second set of lovers who are just together and sort their lives out basically yeah but yeah that's that's her casting type i think she's like a multi-tony nominated oh you can see why very talented mm-hmm. i love her i'm not sure what to think about billy i'm not sure how to make of him and i think that's really good from the get-go because he's not your I guess, romanticised male lead. No. And you get that very early on, the way he's like, I don't need both of you to wait. Yeah, I only want one girl to hang around. You guys choose which one of you stay. Exactly, like, he talks... (laughs) He's a horrible man, but when he's taking point, if I loved you, it is quite sweet and it is quite nice that you get the sense of there's a Jekyll and Hyde to him Mm -hmm. that... He actually is in love with her. Yeah. And then you see the other side, which is clearly like his upbringing, his culture, and he's fighting both. Yeah. So there's an interesting thing to make of that. Like, I don't know what to think of him at first. Like, Yeah. And I think he's one of those sort of characters that you can really, like, obviously, for those of you that have seen Carousel before or watched the version that we're talking about, he does a lot of things that... I can very easily condemn and be like, he's a bad person. Yes. Because I think he is. However, he is one of those sort of meaty characters that you can, you can have more than one opinion about. And I really like that for villains. I like that. So would you say he's the villain? He's, he's his own villain. I know we talked about this earlier today. This is what's interesting is there's a part of me that feels like he is the villain of this. He's Julie's villain. Yes. And his own. Yeah. He causes all his own problems. He does. He's and his I own like worst problem. a sort of grey character. Yeah. It's nice to not have it be black and white. He is redeemable, which is kind of the plot arc of this. Mm-hmm. What he does is horrible. And if you were to set this in 2020, completely wrong. Yeah. Keeping it set in the 1900s like mm-hmm. they've done. It's still condemned. It's still condemned. However, culturally speaking, it's more redeemable than it would be nowadays. Yeah. Which isn't to say he should be doing it at all. No. But. And we'll get into what we're talking yeah. about in a minute when we get there. But we meet Mr. Baskin. Baskin. Oh, Bascom. I thought he was uh, Mr. Baskin. Like, Carol Baskin. I yeah. made jokes about it later on. Oh, <laughs> no, it was Bascom. Okay, well, we meet Mr. Bascom and he is telling... He's the owner of the mill. Yes, you've got to go back. Don't break curfew. I, if you come mm-hmm. with me now, I will give you an out, which I think is... Yeah. I think it's quite nice of him. Especially because he has a policeman with him. Yes. The policeman tells Mr. Bascom, oh, this is Billy Bigelow. He is known... For telling young girls that he will marry them and ruining their reputations, essentially. And Mr. Bascom is like, oh, one of my poor girls that works in the mill has been tricked into this. Here's your out. Come with yeah, me. Yeah, which I think is really nice from we'll a male perspective you. at the time. Yeah. There's no kind of you scratch my back, I scratch yours. It's just yeah. the right thing because obviously in this day and age, a girl's... Virtue. Virtue yeah. is important, and he's giving her the perfect excuse to restore that mm-hmm. without any kind of... And he doesn't immediately assume, oh, well, her virtue's been destroyed. Yes. Like, his job as the owner of this mill and the owner of the boarding house is to protect all these yeah. girls. 
And he's doing it. Yeah, it's, it's really nice. nice. He takes it seriously. It's <laughs> yeah. not just something where he's only invo- involved or interested when it benefits him. Mm-hmm. I liked that. Was the I'm going to compare it to Les Mis again. It's the difference between him and Jean Valjean as the owner of this factory. Yeah, but that's because Jean Valjean's too busy being mayor of this town as well. I don't care. He's the one that should be solving all these problems. Mm. And Mr. Bascom is. Well, He's trying to help. But this is it. It's why Jean Valjean does then say, okay, I will go get Cosette because he realises Too little, too fault. late. Yeah, exactly. Too little, too late. He should have saved mm-hmm. Fontaine then. Yeah. He didn't, so now he's going to make amends for it for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. This is Jean Valjean if he stepped up at the right point in time. Yes. And unfortunately, Julie decides, because she is in love with Billy, to stay. So he fires her on yes. the spot. And we get like a 15, 20-minute song. I didn't tire. It felt very long. I was engaged. I, I really liked it. I was engaged. Mm-hmm. But every time I kind of thought, oh, it's stopping, it started again, stopping, starting again. I liked it. Yeah. I think the issue with it was, this is one of the moments where that boat comes. Yep. Because there was very minimal movement. They were sat on a bench. Therefore, it felt longer. It's pretty much the same in the stage show. Yeah. And I've got no issue with that. I'm not complaining. I'm not criticising. Just, mm-hmm. it felt long. My instinct is, always have movement. Try to avoid moments of stillness. But I think for a... You're right, this song goes on for a very long time. But for the part that people recognise as If I Loved You, which is maybe 16 bars of the whole song, of them singing their own little If I Loved You, like, what would it be like for me? And he sings round in circles I'd go and how he'd be lovesick. Having that be sort of a soft, quiet moment of just we're here sitting on this bench. Mm -hmm is nice but for the rest of it i understand what you mean yeah so this is as a song kind of what i always expect rogers and hammerstein to be mm-hmm. i feel like you were to play me a few songs from this this would be the one i would definitely say this is rogers and hammerstein yeah this is just kind of what i'd expect their style to be it's kind of old but it's beautiful and more elegant mm-hmm. the plot of this song is essentially they slowly realize they do go together they're trying to have balls and say this is a bad idea, but realising actually we do. Billy thinks love will make him weaker, but eventually concedes, mm-hmm. and they smooch to seal the deal. Yep. What are their ages, though? Well, so if he's a carnival barker, and they're saying they're using essentially his sex appeal yes. to get women to come into this carnival... I think he's supposed to be mid-twenties-ish. She is obviously, like, between 18 and 23. Yeah. However, Kelly O'Hara is not. And neither is... Um, no, I would Nathan I would Gunn. argue that Nathan Gunn looks considerably older yes. than but the reason O'Hara. the reason that they've been cast in this version is their name value oh. rather than... And again, this isn't me criticising the ages... No. Like we said when we went last week, sometimes you've just got to have suspension of disbelief. Yeah. And I think they've both been dressed to look older than they maybe are. I feel like Billy certainly is dressed to look older. He does look a lot older than her. Kelly O'Hara, her character, sorry, Julie Jordan, is obviously supposed to be young and innocent enough. However, because she says about 
how she's never going to get married, she's going to be an old maid. She obviously must be in her 20s mm-hmm. for this time period anyway. Yeah. To Just, be at the point at which you're like nearly an old maid, you've got to be like 22, 23. It's ambiguous, which is probably to its benefits. Yeah. But did at this point I wondered, oh, what's their ages? But then you've got Carrie and Mr. Snow, mm-hmm. and they're obviously the younger couple. Even though Enoch doesn't look. No, he doesn't look younger either. And Jesse Mueller at this point, I don't know how old she would have been, but she's not in her 20s. Yeah. We moved to Give It To Him Good. Yeah. At least I think that's what it's called. Yeah, this is a sort of in-between song that it isn't is, billed as being its own song. But it's a fun song because it's kind of like a bit more upbeat and energetic. We get kind of some choreography, some dance, which yeah. we haven't got yet. You know. This is where the weird time jump is. It is. I wondered how long we've been. It, it feels like it could just be the next day, but it's been two months, I think. Yeah. It's good to have this song placed here, the energy just to kind of revitalise the crowd mm-hmm. there's a really nice line that'll learn them Darnham yeah I can't do the rhyme mm-hmm. but their accents make it work brilliantly and I liked that line I thought that was a really nice yeah. bit of rhythm essentially this is just the fishermen want food and they approach it yeah so the fishermen there's two groups of men in this town because it's yes. a fishing port in New England there are the whalers who are sort of the rougher guys who yeah. don't live here but are here for the season to go whaling. And then there's the fishermen who are from this village who are here every single day and are known around the place. Everybody who knows all the whalers, obviously, as well, because they're here for an entire season, which is probably about six months. There is going to be a clam bake, so all of the men have been out all morning down at the beach getting clams, and the women have been up all morning making donuts for the men when they come back with all the clams. Yes. And they are all at Nettie Fowler's sort of tavern? Question so. mark. It felt like they were at the mill. Yeah, because all the women are dressed in their work clothes. Yeah. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. Perhaps they have a day off because it's the clam bake, so it's kind of like festival. It's like a holiday weekend yeah. kind of thing. It must be. It must be. But that progresses very quickly to Juno's busting out. Yep. Which is a song all about that summer friskiness. Yeah. This is summer loving. A lot of people, there's two songs in this that a lot of people condemn as being a complete waste of time. This, June is Busting Out is one of them. June is Busting Out All Over is one of them. Because this song exists just to tell us that we've jumped a couple of months. Yeah, which could easily be a throw, throwaway line, which we get with, oh, you've been married two months now. Yeah. I liked it though, it's got some it's nice cute. energy it's, to it. It's good fun, everyone's having a good time. We're talking about how all the men are lusting after all the young we ladies. We get a line, all the boys are feeling lusty and the girls ain't even putting up a fight. Yeah, and this is where we're introduced to the handkerchief thing, which I then had to explain later to you, which is the some of the young women wave their little white handkerchiefs when the men come. That means they're... It means they're, they're up for a bit of smooching. It's a traffic light party. Basically. And if they don't wave one, they're left alone, which I was... When, I, when we were watching it, I was looking to see if any of them weren't, and a couple of them weren't. Good. There are a few girls there that weren't waving the I would do that as a director. You don't want to be that all these girls are. Yeah, and they were left alone by the men as well. Yeah, which so I, that's obviously a direction Exactly, point. like it's a really good point of direction because it makes this point more meaningful. Yeah, and it's never explained verbally either. No. So it's just a nice bit of sort of background yeah. stuff that is happening. 
Julie returns and reveals that she's married, but it's not paradise, and that Billy has hit her. Yes. Once. Once. Because Carrie immediately is like, he beats you. You need, And she's like, it's not beating. He hasn't beat me. He hit me yes. once. And she tries to pass it off as being an accident. Personally, if somebody is willing to hit you once, they're not going to stop at once. Well, we see later on, like, that's his nature. He, he does it to his daughter. Yeah. So he's not going to... Scorpion and frog. Yeah. He's not going to do it just the once. No, he was never going to stop just the once. Yeah, so... And that's what Carrie tries to tell Julie. He tries to argue it later as well, that... He says, I don't beat her. I never beat her. He'll admit to hit her, but it was a one-time thing, and I won't do it again. Yeah. So he realises what he's done is wrong. Mm. Doesn't excuse it, but realises what he's done was wrong. No. He tries to argue it as she's smarter than me, and when she uses words, I don't understand. It makes me angry, and I lash out the only way I know how. Not a good enough excuse. Nope. Which they added in a line yeah. in this, where when Julie and Carrie are talking about it, and Julie says he didn't mean it, Carrie says that doesn't make it okay, yeah. which is a line that has been very recently added in. Yeah, I would say it. this is... This is the kind of plot line that I think you were saying might not have aged well. Mm-hmm. I think it's appropriate to keep it in because I think people need to be aware that this behaviour is wrong. Yeah. It's never discussed in a way that makes it okay except for one part. Yes. Which we'll talk about when we'll we get there. We'll talk about. But I think adding lines, this is the sort of subject matter that you have to change. If you want to keep it, you have to change it and mm-hmm. add in lines that kind of de-glorify it yeah definitely we get a nice line men who don't work are bone lazy yep enoch says yep and billy mrs caris i call him billy badden billy badden's probably a better name for him yeah i hate his name billy bigelow is another worst name i like the alliteration i'd keep my own surname if i married him he definitely feels like he should be in comic books as a villain mm-hmm. we... specifically like the vino yeah the vino <laughs> villain yeah we learn mr snow is coming to the clown bake and we get the prize of Woo-hoo. when i marry mr s yeah what a day what a day oh my god and then at the end of the song... What a great intro to Mr. Snow. Hilarious. At the end of the song, and Carrie did it in the, the first version of When I Marry Mr. Snow. This is the reprise. Yeah. She says he'll carry her up to their, their wedding room and she'll stand there. She holds up a handkerchief in front of her face. She says, Mr. Snow, here I am. And then he comes in and sings and she has a heart attack. Yeah. It's amazing. In the way that you would if you were talking to your best friend about how you were going to sleep with your boyfriend later. And then he walked in. Amazing. I know it's because they're the secondary lovers and they're not as important. But I'm yeah. so disappointed we don't get more between Enoch I love their relationship. Yeah. It's so funny. We don't get enough between them, and it's such a shame because no. I really like their dynamic. Yeah. I think it's because the two performers are both really good. Mm-hmm. I don't know who played uh, Enoch, but obviously Jesse Mueller is fantastic. It's Jason Danielli, which oh. is a great name. Yes, it is. Is he shy? He don't say much. 
I think he's just nervous. Yes. In the way of being introduced to your your girlfriend's best friend, yeah. and I, you kind of have to impress them. I was just waiting for him to bust out some spontaneous poetry. Yeah. Some sp- spontaneous when poetry. That is the character he is. Yeah. We learn that Julie is not happy being Mrs. Bigelow. Mm-hmm. And he says he ain't going an old clam bake. Yeah, such a shame. She has one. Yeah, I, this is the thing: is he's not a likable character. No. And I think as things go along, he has moments where I start to be like, "Oh, he's changing." No. Mm. Oh, no. We get a really lovely song when the children are asleep. Yeah. Enoch has a five-year plan. He does. <laughs> I really appreciate that. <laughs> I love it. I love where he's like, one plus one will have two, and two will grow to four, and four will grow to eight, until I have a fleet of little boats. Yes. And we'll have one child, which will lead to two, which will lead to four, which will lead to eight. And then she says, are you trying for a fleet? Yeah, which is great. Their they're, yeah. they're interplay between each other is so amazing. Mm-hmm. He creates sardines. Supposedly. Yeah, that is funny, though. And... This is who I'm drawing us as this week. Oh, yeah. Like, 100% that's who I want you to draw us as. There's a really nice line. Our dear little house will get bigger and so will my figure. Yeah. They're just, they're both taking the mick out of each other. Yeah, In a really nice way. They've got a really pure relationship. Mm -hmm. You get the sense that actually he really likes her more than just... More than just like, oh, this is who I'm going to marry. Yeah, there's a real sense of love. Yeah. I don't like where Enoch goes at the end. I feel like he loses himself. I agree. But, you know, it is what it is. The first act, he's just brilliant. He's great. And he's just funny, too. It's nice to have a nice... A nice man to show up. (laughs) Yeah. You know, he's quite unproblematic. Yeah. I think. I agree. I do think this is a convo they should have had before they agreed to get married, though. What, how many children he yeah. wants to have? Because it's eight, right? Yeah. Do you know they eventually have nine? They do eventually <laughs> have nine. Blow high, blow low. Billy's got a new fisherman friend. Yeah, so this is a guy that he knows from the circus. Not yes. circus. The carnival. His name is Jigger Cranin. I'm going to call him Jig because it's a horrible name. I'm assuming it's a nickname. But they've both got kind of experience. They're both scandals, yeah. Yeah. And I think they say Jig's done time. Jig's done time, and Billy has been before the police magistrate. Which is like the level below. Which is, yeah, pre lawyer. Yeah. So there's a plot to steal. Three thousand pounds from Baskin. Yeah, which for them is what a million pounds. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't have to be killed, but it's probably best if he is. Yeah, because then you can't ID them. Yeah, Billy doesn't want to do it to his credit, and I really like. The, he immediately is like, no. Yeah, we're which not. I'm not going to help. Is you. a really nice thing for that character. Yeah, I like that. I like that he's not willing to do it. Mm-hmm. And then Mrs. Mullen. Yeah. Tries to get him back. Yeah, she's a weird character. She's a non-character. Like, 
Yeah. I don't think we need her. She runs the carnival. But we don't need her at this point. Realistically, we need her to fire him. Yeah. I don't think that we ever need to see her back. I understand her coming back here because he has options here. He's given two different paths that he can go down. Neither of them are good. That, that's what I mean. She's not presenting him with a better alternative, with a good alternative. No. This isn't the angel and the devil talking to Maria. This is a devil and a devil. Yeah. And his choice is either he can help Jig kill someone, essentially, because Jig's never not going to kill yeah. the guy. Or he can leave Julie and go back to work for Miss Mullen. Yeah. Because she says, the only way I'm going to let you come back is if you are single. Yes. Because a married Barker isn't any use yeah. to me. So this is why I feel like you just get rid of her. Yeah. Because she's not adding anything. She's not adding a good alternative. Yeah. If she was adding something where it's a moment of he chooses between going the villain route or the hero route, mm -hmm. fine. Yeah. He's not. The only thing I can give him with his choice is that at least he is kind of willing to do this for Julie. Yeah. It's not a good thing. No. But he, he's trying. But so then he's been presented with both of his choices. And then Julie comes in. And she's pregnant. Muzzle top. And we get the soliloquy. Which is great. Oh, it's fantastic. It's and there's a, a reason why they asked Nathan Gunn to be this, to play this character. He is an opera singer, mm -hmm. and a, specifically a baritone opera yes. singer. He's fantastic. Like, he was amazing the entire yeah. time through this. And he's, I would say, not the best actor. But I don't think the acting is important. No. For this as a show, especially with the promise vibe it offers, mm -hmm. The acting is so minimal in this one. Yeah. It's the performance of the singing. Oh, definitely. So I don't really mind that so much. He gets the idea that it's a difficult choice. And I like his moments of, will I be a good father? The assumption it will be a boy, which he'll call Bill. Immediately. Yeah. Bill Jr. I doubt he'd be president, but he can if he wants. Yeah. Really good, like, fathering in the way that he can be whatever he wants. Yeah. Everything Billy suggests are probably things more in line with what Billy and his aspirations are. Yeah. But he at least says, I'll back him to be president. If he wants to do this, he probably won't, but if he wants to, yeah. I doubt. There's a line in that section as well where he says about, well, his mother will teach him how to behave. Yeah. Not my job. He I'll talks about babies' first conquests. Essentially. And he says, say, why am I carrying on like this? My kid ain't even been born yet. Yep. Which is funny, I liked that. And then Yeah, he's talking about how he's gonna teach his son how to get girls, essentially. Yeah, it's weird. But then the penny drops. He might have a girl. Yeah. You can have fun with a son, but you have to be a father to a girl. True. Yeah. I agree. And that lights a fire under him because he needs to prepare. Mm. He's suddenly thinking of all of the conquests he's had. With all of these girls yes. who he's now thinking of as girls and not women. Yeah, because they're somebody's daughter. Yeah. And, oh, God. And I we, I get the impression being a father is going to motivate him to be a better man. 
or not because he immediately says yes i'll kill someone and get yeah, money i'll help you rob the guy and so that he can financially support yes but there's not a good excuse it's not a good enough excuse imagine being told as a little child or as an adult talking to your father that the only reason you had a lifestyle was because he killed people to do that well and it turns out anyway that they don't have a lifestyle so yeah so which is also his fault and we get a very brief reprise of junior's busting and then yeah. it goes to the interval here's an issue right i have with billy is that earlier on when julie's talking to carrie about how he hit her there's talking about how he doesn't have a job because he can't work, work as a barker anymore because he was fired. Yeah. And Julie says, oh, I think Miss Mullen would take him back if he went and asked, but he's too proud, so he won't. Which, fine. I'm okay with that. And then she says he doesn't have a trade. There's nothing he's, he can do because he's not good at anything. Like, no, go and get a job. No, I know. Why can't you go and get a job? It's not you work like, in a fishing yeah. port. Go and get a job at the pub. Like, it's not like somebody put a hat on him and the hat shouted out, Barker! And yeah. that's it. It's the only job he can do. Yeah, he, he could get another job. He is just lazy. Yeah. And this is why I started to There's think. There's no reason why he couldn't get a labourer yeah. a job. But that's why I started to think being a father is going to get him to overcome his pride. Mm-hmm. No. He just wants to take the easy way out. Mm-hmm. That's his problem. He just wants an easy life. My least favourite song. Oh, yeah. This was a real nice clown bake. Ugh. Yeah, this is the other song that people talk about as being like, yeah. why is this here? So, they all had a real good time. They're all very full. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of fun. So Enoch stands up and he's conducting as as he sings. And I, it's great. He always seems like he's having such a great time on yeah. stage. But this song is gross. Personally, as a vegetarian slash vegan, not wanting to come a militant, like mm-hmm. anyone can eat what they want, fine. I've and had... they just keep describing food. Yeah, I don't want to hear the description yeah. of how lobsters are killed. Like I kind of zoned out during this. I song. just for me, it's really gross. It's sung well. It's performed so well, but the lyrics just made me feel sick. Yeah, fair enough. I think the point they're trying to make with this song is that these people aren't rich. No. And, and it's a cultural they've had this thing. beast, yeah. basically. It, it's just culture for them. Yeah. Like, I can it, happily sing food, glorious food, and I have sung it and I will sing it. Like, <laughs> that description of food for me is, fu- is fine. I, I can do like any that. descriptions of food. I just don't want to hear how things are killed. Yeah. Like to me, lobster just, is like a weird because they're food. like screaming when they die. It's oh, it's horrible. Yeah, I don't. I just and the way they glorify. I'm just like, this is gross. Can we just move on, please? Yeah. And it's such a shame because it is a well. It is song. disgusting, but you have to sort of accept the culturalism of it. Oh yeah, exactly. It's going to be a treasure hunt. What a perfect alibi to kill someone. Yeah. What a great afternoon we're having, and whoever wins the treasure hunt gets to kiss any girl they want. Yes. Who has a white yes. handkerchief. Poor Carrie. I really did not like the interaction with Trigger. Or whatever his name was. Jig, yeah. I call him Trigger. I hate him. Oh, it's so gross. It's so, so gross. She's not into it. And he's trying and to force And he's weird. Her. Like, he goes from... Like, he's still trying to get her. Yeah. He goes from openly flirting with her. And then he's like oh, you don't want to kiss me? Okay, that's fine. I'm a nice guy. I'm going to show you how to defend yourself if a guy did try to kiss you like that. 
But because I'm nice, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, I'd say like, so get away from it's me. so gross. And do you know what I really didn't like is the fact that the audience were laughing at him. Yeah. It's not a moment to be laughed at. This is James Bond with Pussy Galore. You take away the music and it's a, it's it's not a romantic scene. I haven't seen that. I'll show you it. I'll show you it with the music and without the music. Because you take away the music and it it's violent. Okay. But you have the music and James Bond has convinced yet another woman to fall in love and sleep with him. Right. Lucy Galore's heavily implied to be a lesbian as well. Alright, oh, okay. So it's a really awful I really scene. don't know enough about this. No. I there's one bit in this that I think's funny and it's Jake puts her over his shoulder. Yeah. And starts carrying her away and says, This is how firemen carry people. I actually wrote this down because I thought it was funny. This is how firemen carry people. See how helpless you can make a fella if he gets fresh with you? And then Enoch walks in and she panics because she realizes she's over his shoulder and she goes, Hello, Enoch. This is the way firemen carry people. And he just looks and he's like, Where's the fire? Yeah, but that's the only funny bit. Yeah. I, I didn't find it funny. I can see no, it would be. What Jig's doing isn't funny, yeah, but, but his people, reaction. But people are laughing at yeah. Jig and I don't get why. No, I agree with you. I felt really bad for Enoch, but, you know, he says something, leave me alone with my shattered dreams. To be a little bit melodramatic. He's so melodramatic. She's more melodramatic. But I can completely understand why he would react that way, given the time we're in. And the context is, you weren't alone with a man Mm. at all. Why would you ever be alone with a man? It's the same as Oklahoma, we talked about it then. But there's no good reason for a young unmarried woman who's been promised to somebody else to be alone with a man who isn't her intended. No, and he walks in and admitted at that point in time, it does look bad. She's laughing, having a great time. It does look Mm -hmm. bad. He shouldn't jump straight to 100 by modern standards. No, he he goes from zero to 100. But by the context it's completely understandable why he's so devastated yeah and i did feel bad for him i have to say i feel bad for her too i'm sure there's a private conversation between the two of them in the next five minutes and everything gets sorted out because the next time we see them on stage together he's standing behind her like nothing's ever happened i wish we could see that encounter of it actually no so the thing that happens between them that causes them to reconcile is Billy dies. Is that literally it? It's that they see what happens to Julie and how heartbroken she is and they're like, okay, grab the one you love and hold them close. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which... And I'm glad works, they end up yeah. together. Like... <laughs> Their relationship when we jump forwards is really funny. It is. They're meant to be together. Yes. They so, are made for each other. You said this song was going to be cut and it comes on and we're suddenly like, oh, it wow. It is cut down. Yeah. So ain't nothing so bad for a woman... Yeah. Tell me something sweet. Boston cream pie is so sweet. Yes. <laughs> Fun Boston cream pie. He runs away. I love Enoch. Yeah. I don't know what gets into men. I don't know what gets into men. What a great line. And I like then that the girls sing it, so we get both sides. Yeah, so the men sing about how there's nothing quite so bad for a woman as a man who says he's a good man. Yes. Which, I mean... By modern standards, I agree. Yes. In that, I'm a nice guy kind of way. Yeah. But that isn't what they mean here. No, it isn't. What Um, they mean is, a guy who is bad and knows that he's bad, you can always trust to be a bad person. Yeah. 
is not a good thing. So, originally, when this was first performed and in the movie, I'm assuming it's just the men that sing it the whole time. So, what they've done and to kind of... And there's another couple of verses. ...adjust and make it better is by having the girls also sing and yeah. kind of mocking, but mm-hmm. also, like... Which yeah. I'm cool with. I think the that's girls a nice sing a, a, a version in yeah. the original one, but it's not like this. This is a, a revamped version of it, which is great. And then we have the give it to us straight, Julie, give it to us straight. And she sings what's the use of wondering. Yes. Because you... which is the worst advice. Your friend has just been dumped and all the other girls are being like, Men don't deserve anything. You're worth more than him. Don't you worry about it. And then they're like, Come on, Julie, you're her best friend. You tell her how it is and she's like, Do you love him? You should probably be with well, him. Well, she sings more you love someone from Avenue Q. Yeah, basically. Do you think this is what inspired that song? Maybe, because some of those songs are parodies. Yeah, and I think that if I'm right in thinking, I could be wrong. We'll save this for a future episode to discuss more in detail. But the people who write Avenue Q, I believe, also helped write the music for the Scrubs musical episode. I would have no idea. And I think they like having fun with musical theatre style. Mm-hmm. I can't remember for sure, but... Yeah. I, I think that's kind of an homage to musical theatre songs. Yeah. It definitely sounds that. So everyone's going off on this treasure hunt and Julie discovers the knife. Yeah. All the men have to get into pairs and Julie says to Billy, why would you go with Jig? He doesn't Neither of you know the island. Because Jig's a whaler. Yeah. Neither of you know this island very well. So, like, why don't you two... And then again, but why would he want to do it anyway if the prize is a kiss from a girl? I don't think that is the prize. I think there is another prize. Okay. There's probably like a food prize. Fair. But not that you need to eat it after all the clams. No, but Nettie's just saying yeah. it to sort of have a laugh. So they have a conversation before whilst they're waiting for Bascom. And apparently only the rich will be privileged with God post death. Only the rich will be judged by God specifically. Yes. Everybody lower will be judged by like police magistrate which equivalent. you know they're kind of saying isn't fair because we should all have the same right to be there which actually you know what, is a fair observation mm-hmm. you know i'd love to see like a modern take on carousel that touches on kind of like the rights of people and yeah how wealth and, yeah the uh, thing is with this there aren't any really wealthy people oh well, we've got bascom but bascom isn't isn't that wealthy he owns the mill yeah but the money that he's carrying that they're trying to steal isn't his mm. he's taking it to pay people yeah so by stealing from him well it's his because he's earned it but he's now paying what he should do so it's yeah. kind of like he's paying his workers he's gone to pay the shipmates yeah. like that's where he was going yeah and so he defends himself like they never actually expected that in their plan like this old coot can defend himself. Yeah, no. And he does. But again, they're not from here. Yeah. They don't know him yeah. well enough to judge whether or not this would be a good idea. Yeah. And the other thing, it turns out, is that Bascom didn't have any of the money on yeah. him. Yeah, lol, it was pointless anyway, as the money was gone. I'd already put it, I was on my way back I love from that. putting so it in the Billy state. stabbed himself to avoid prison because, like, oh no, what am I going to do? I know. Yeah, yeah which... Okay. And then he's just killed himself, and he goes, "Well, I mean, I didn't have the money anyway. Like, there's yeah. no." <laughs> he says something along the lines of, "Like, the fools didn't realize I was on my way back from the safe." So 
at this point I write, Billy is no more. Yeah. Will Angel send him back? Mm-hmm. Will he move? Kind of got it half right. I didn't even realise. Yep, Mr. Snow, something like I love you still, but it makes sense because if you watch somebody lose their true love, it puts things into perspective. Yeah, and I guess because word is going to spread that Jig was also part of it, the jig is up. Yeah, he knows that there's no danger of her being with Jig and he's a villain and actually he should listen to her so I'm sure that sorts itself out mm-hmm. yeah like, <laughs> from, for context Jig is never heard from again yeah but again Miss Mullen a non-character is so sad why does she show yeah, up why 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 it makes no sense no again maybe if she'd offered an honest job that or if she'd could... been at the party yeah. that they will just come from if she'd offered something honest to him that says this and you can stay married if that's the life you want I'll back it Mm-hmm. She can be there and be like, oh, I should have thought, I should have told him this is the right thing. You get the sense that she's like in love with him yeah, as well, weird. which is weird because she was married too. So, um, good line. I know you hit me. You were quick tempered and unhappy. That doesn't excuse it. Mm-hmm. She actually says that does that don't excuse it. And I think that's great. Mm-hmm. We, when they said that, we, just went, the film, we were both like, yes, correct. <laughs> correct. Is that something that's been added in as well? Yeah. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Because... Those are the little updates that we yeah, need. She's lost him and she's clearly just like, I'm, I forgive you for this, Yeah. but it doesn't ever excuse what you did. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great. She's not glorifying him now he's dead. She's still aware of his faults. Yeah. I've talked about how having a good audience can really make something better. Yeah. And their clapping's great. However... Throughout this, there is an annoying cough that keeps cropping up, and everyone's quiet on stage. And you just hear someone go, <coughs> What in the audience? Yeah, I didn't even hear it. I just it was just, but it kept cropping up at different points. And I was just like, Right, this is annoying. Yeah, so I'm disappointed that sound editors couldn't do more with that. You know how we watch quiz and they're like, How what have you done with these coughs? Oh, well, yeah, like we can quieten them down or magnify them. Yeah. Somebody should have looked at that and quietened down the background. Yeah. The fact that that cough is it's still not very well edited. No. You remember that song? You know the song. The song he used to sing at the football match. <laughs> Basically. So, my brother got back to us. Yeah. Following Hillsborough, which is a very famous, for those of you who don't know, Yeah. dark day in football where a lot of fans died. So there was a fire, I think. Essentially, people couldn't make it out because old-fashioned football mm-hmm. stadiums had caging and grating. I'm not going to describe it as well as, as, as anyone else could. I'm not a football expert. But one of the darkest days, and there's to, still to this day, we have people kind of talking, who's to blame for this? Right. You know, who's, who's to blame? other police to blame for not letting people out. Loads of people died. And there are memorials outside Anfield, which is Liverpool Stadium, for the Hillsborough disaster. Yeah. Following the Hillsborough disaster, Liverpool's fans felt more united. And everything they did since that point was honouring the families and and the children, because children died in this. Sure. It was the biggest kind of footballing, sports-related incident. Mm -hmm. It might still be. Again, I'm not an expert. This isn't a sports podcast. No. But 
they adopted this. They right. weren't the first football club to. My brother's quite adamant they have stolen it from other football clubs who right. But because of the Hillsborough disaster, it felt yeah. more like a call to arms of we won't forget these people. Okay. It, I, you're I've... interested, you can find loads of stuff detailing the Hillsborough disaster. Yeah. I'm not an expert on it. I know enough to know that it was a really horrible day, that loads of innocent people died. People used to have all the flares and have the fireworks during football. One of those caught light. Big fire happened below the stands. You couldn't get out because there was grating in front. I had a John Barrowman CD yeah. as a child. As a child. I was like 11 or 12. You probably still have that From, CD. I don't know. I don't know where it would be. It's not in our flat, certainly. But on the CD, it was a compilation of him singing songs from musicals. Yes. One of which was Never this. Walk Alone. And I remember it coming, I had it, it was, it was all ballads, so I would put it on if I was going to take a nap, or like, just if I couldn't get to sleep, I would just yeah. put this on, and it was all really slow songs. John Barrowman has a very soothing voice. He does. And my dad came in one time and was like, why are you listening to the Liverpool football song? And I was like, what? Why would John Barrowman be singing a Liverpool football song? Because I also hadn't seen Carousel yet, so... My it's an interesting album. song. Like it just doesn't feel like it. It doesn't fit with the rest of the song. No, but it's a really for what it is. Like two verses long. Mm -hmm. It's a really nice song, and it's performed beautifully here. Yeah, I think it sounds like a song that they would they've written, and then been like, "Hey, we should use that for a musical." Yeah, <laughs> and they wrote it. For someone else, or for for something, and, and then, then they just... decided to put it in. Same as with one of the songs from Cinderella, which is the stepmother's song. Yeah, it was written something else and repurposed. Yeah. So Angel comes to help Billy, but it's not the Angel from last week. No. As long as there's one person alive who remembers you. So we're now watching Coco, apparently. Mm -hmm. He's called the first heavenly friend. Cool. He's dressed like a little engine driver, and I love it. Yeah, I, I liked his character. I wanted more of him. I liked how sassy he was. So, this takes a really unexpected turn. Mm -hmm. You told me there was going to be, like, the wonderful life elements of it. Yeah. I can, this I, is exactly... I wish I had part. written down everyone I came up with, because they were all wrong. I can't yeah, you asked that. me about I it kept, about eight times. Like, so I, I felt like there was going to be one. So I think when he was given the choice. Yeah, you were did, like, oh, is he go are we going to see both choices? Are we going to see both and... choices? No. Is he going to kill someone? We're going to see what happens. Is he going to decide and see his future if he kills someone versus if he takes this job versus be a good husband? No. I can remember all the other ones. So, okay. But this is such an unexpected turn. We ignore the other characters. Honestly, it felt like to me the protagonist was Julie. Yeah, she is. But she's completely forgotten about, basically. Like, we've jumped forward 15 years into the future. Mm -hmm. This is Billy's story, and it's very weird. Yeah. Such an unexpected The character time. that is very clearly our villain. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I um, would say him and Jig are the villains. Suddenly becomes the protagonist. Because he's done nothing but make bad choices. When given the opportunity to do something right, he makes the wrong choice. Now, he's not a villain... As in the whole fate of the world is there, but he is a villain. Yeah, I think so. He's told by the first heavenly friend that he can't get into heaven yet 
because we're at the back gates you're not seeing the pearly gates no he has unfinished business and he asks or makes a comment about how because he's of a lowly status he's not going to get judged by god so like yeah it stuff goes, you guys i want to see the big man the yeah kind of, and we get the highest judge of all yeah which he was that sounds okay but he sang it yeah really I started to get my hopes up. Is God going to be a character in this? God is a character in this. Is he? The Starkeeper. Was that God? Yeah. Ah, huh. okay, cool. That's what I've always taken I can it. see that. The Starkeeper, another Because there's assassin. a comment later which I think seals that. Okay, cool. Yeah. I missed that. Okay. All I know is I love a sassy old man. Mm-hmm. John Cullum, who played the Starkeeper. So the premise is he gets to go back for one day if he's got unsettled business. He's like, I ain't got no unsettled business. And then immediately it's like, okay, we'll put you down as no unsettled business. And they raise the 15-year-old daughter. Yeah. The starkeeper's like, oh, really? You have no unfinished business? None at all? Oh, what a shame. I can see your daughter down there. So <laughs> apparently 15 years passes in like three minutes. Yeah. So it's Which, a wonderful afterlife. Super interestingly, is like a universal canon yeah. about heaven. Mm. Because it's Narnia, which is heaven works the time works differently yeah and in the lovely boat yeah, it doesn't pass time passes differently she can choose where to look down yeah. in time time but i, I don't feel like it's things. implied like it goes by quickly she's watching it in real time no it? but the time works differently no because in the book she can look down at whatever time she wants no yeah i'm pretty i i feel i read it like a few years ago i never took that from Oh, I did. I read it a few times and I've never got that vibe from it. It feels like she's watching it in real time. She's staying the same age, but it feel, but everything else has been watched in real time. Yeah, but she jumps. There's jumps. Yeah, because time. that's the narrative. Okay. It's not like she's jumped. It's more like we've jumped forward to the next significant moment of the family's life. We get the ballet sequence. And this is the drug chip from Oklahoma. Yeah. I well, find it so very interesting that their first two musicals... Mm-hmm both have this extended dance it's number it's in all of their musicals but i think that's nice like i okay i did I, I liked it in oklahoma and i liked it in this i don't know how i'd like it in all of them yeah. but i think thematically and for consistency that's a really nice thing that rogers and hammerstein will have a moment dedicated to this yeah and rogers and hammerstein i think is the least watered down opera yeah. so they have the ballet in them in the same way that in phantom because they're working at an opera house, you've got the ballet girls yeah. who are there. Yeah, so they like to have it. I think the only one that doesn't have a ballet is... Um... Sound of Music? I don't remember a ballet in Sound of Music. Sound of Music, the ballet is... I on a hill, was the lonely okay. goat hair. That's their ballet sequence. Fair. King and I has the small house of Uncle Tom, and which is Uncle Tom's cabin. Yeah, I think the only one that doesn't is South Pacific, which is nice. So yeah, her dancing is great, and we get Bill Jr.'s life through interpretive dance. Mm -hmm. They're going to show her courtship through interpretive dance. Yeah, and her name is Louise, not Bill Jr. Yeah, at this point I didn't know that. Yeah. Enoch, with his daughter number eight, takes his son away. I really like that. And we get a nice bit of interaction. Bill Jr. will straight up murder a child. Yeah, she was. Just like her dad. 100%. This horrible little girl. Yes. Privileged, pampered little girl, yeah. My father bought me this dress because he's rich and you don't even have a father. Yeah. 
I like I like she's like eight. Yeah, I like her performance when she comes with the hat. It's really nice. Yeah. And then whoa, circus is in town. Yeah. And she does a new Barker. Yeah, she dances with a Barker. So at this point, I'm a little confused. I feel like he's only used his one day. Obviously, he hasn't because he's just watching. But I wasn't sure. At that point, I'm assuming this is the morning. No, I this is him just watching. He then says, Can I use my one day then to help her? Oh, okay, that makes way more sense. But at this point, I thought he's just used his one day to watch his daughter lose her virginity. Essentially, when does he plan to step in and help her? Not at all. Yeah, so he's watching, he's watching his daughter lose her virginity in the same way that her mother did to a cad, essentially. Oh my god, yeah. It's weird, like, I could have done without that, mm. I just feel like that, because she's 15 as well, like, yeah, I could have done without that, like, just show her being romantic, don't have it go as far as that. I think the way that they did it through the ballet, the only reason we understand it to be that is because we have a working knowledge of what yeah. interpretive dance means. Yeah. And the way that it's portrayed through the ballet, they yeah. have clearly slept together. Because yes. he However, then walks away. Yeah, if you don't know that, all you're going to see is them kiss, yeah. and then you'll be like, oh, and he isn't really into that. But he lay her on the floor. That's a staple of Rodgers and Hammerstein. No, it's just weird. <laughs> the dance is just amazing, though. Like, both oh. of them were fantastic. Yeah. It's nice to see, you know, her talking, because usually the ballet dancer doesn't talk or get lines. Mm. She's not a singer, which we'll talk about in a bit. Yeah. But you and said you recognised him. Yes, I did. The guy that he's billed as Carnival Boy, he's a Barker, so I don't know why he's billed as that. But he's called Robert Fairchild. Yes. And he was... Is he related to Clary? I don't think so. He was um, Munkerstrap in Cats, the movie. So the one just gone? The one just gone, cool. yeah. He was great. He was great in that. He was great in this. He he was at the time that this came out in 2013 in the New York Ballet. I think it's awesome. Like I really liked that, and the dance was so good and really, really just fun to watch. Yeah. I love how they've aged Julian Carey, and it's nice that Enoch was a success. Yeah, his plan worked. His five year plan. However, I don't like the person he's become. It's like he's forgotten all the hard work, and he's a bit of a snob. Yeah. Which is a shame because he would have had to work hard. I just don't understand why he doesn't want anything to do with Louise yeah. when his wife is still, still friends best friends. Yeah, like surely the best thing for them would have been. Like, we'll support you and help you. Yeah. Yeah. If I had more sense, I wouldn't have had nine children. Great line. Amazing. And I love them talking about the vaudeville. Yes. Oh my God. There's still a lot of humour to their relationship. Like, Enoch hasn't become like a really distant abusive husband like an emotionally no. abusive husband but he, they've obviously gone up in the world. yeah and there's like the sense of yeah you can be like this in private but when we're out and about come on conduct yourself brilliantly yeah julie sees bill before he goes so we get bill shows up to his daughter and tries to act like he's not him like he's someone else and he slaps her and louise rushes off to grab mum yeah and just as she comes back in, she sees Bill and goes, I don't want to see his The conductor removes. But she saw him. Not the conductor. Whatever his name was, you know. 
likely look like a train conductor. The first heavenly friend. Oh yeah, he he says I don't want her to see me, and then he says then she doesn't. Yeah. So I think it's great. What a great way of presenting magic. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. However, I really don't like the weird kind of romanticizing of him hitting them and going. It hit. It was loud, but it didn't hurt. Right. This is what I wanted to talk about. It's not nice. No. I have, I'm a, of two minds about it. Either what they actually mean is because he's dead and he's not actually here, he is non-corporeal and him hitting her actually doesn't feel like anything in the way that if a ghost hit you, but you wouldn't feel it. her but description that, of it... She he, heard the sound yeah. and the slap. But it's the same description that when... Julie gets hit earlier mm-hmm. that it's loud and it's, it's because it's the same way he hit and he wasn't a ghost then yeah yeah so this is the thing if it had, if they stopped talking about it there I could accept that they mean oh it's because he's a spirit mm. that it didn't hurt it feels like a kiss it's barely anything and then Julie has a really unfortunate line which is where the movie ends yeah oh really yeah which is Somebody can beat you and beat you and not hurt you at all. And I hate it. Yeah. And I get what she means. And she, because she loves him, she's always going to love him. She's going to keep on loving him. Even and especially because he he's died 15 years ago. Like mm-hmm. he lives in the memory. And she's going to try and honour the memory of, and try and leave him a legacy being a good man. Yeah. Even and though everyone knows mean... he isn't. Because Louise grows up knowing he was scum. Yeah. But he, she doesn't mean beat you yeah. physically. She means somebody can hurt you over and over again yeah. and let you down over and over again. But the phrasing of it is terrible. Yeah. I, I don't really like this sequence. No. I just hate it. Yeah. Uh, I could. That's the one bit I could like cut it. We don't. It, it is completely non-instrumental to the rest of this yeah. film. Musical. Like yeah. we don't need this. We go to I've lost you. Julie finds the star and she takes it. He's overjoyed because it means she took the star. She must have felt my presence here. But the star's obviously going to change their fortunes. What do you think? Yeah, isn't it? The whole point is giving them a star because they'll sell it. Cause it'll be he like... he stole that star from God. <laughs> I know, but essentially, like he's it's going to. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. going to be the money, isn't it? Like you're going to sell it. That. That's what I took from it. Like they're going to sell this star and suddenly have money to to start a life. Yeah, I'm on board with that. That's cool. They go to graduation. Ziggy Stardust is the doctor who speaks at the graduation. One of my favourite lines in this whole show. This Mm. is the thing that I think shows that he is God, is that the doctor steps forwards, Dr. Selden, and Billy says to the first heavenly friend, say, he looks an awful lot like like that starkeeper. And first heavenly friend says, yeah, so an awful lot of these small town pastors and doctors do. So he, what he means is all these good people have God in them. And, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think like, it's an interesting like it. take for this. Yeah. She wants to be an actress and him singing in her ear, he plants the idea. It's like Inception. He kind of plants the idea that you can do anything you want. Yeah, you've got to be yourself and not let anybody else hold you back. Yes, and it kind of in that moment she realises, I can do this and I will do this. Mm-hmm. They start singing You'll Never Walk Alone, but Louise is not singing. 
Louise isn't singing and also Julie isn't singing. Yeah. And that's the point. But no, but Louise is singing. Oh yeah, okay. So once he tells once Billy tells her you've got to believe what he what God has just said and you have to be your own person, do what you can, then she starts singing because she yeah. believes the words of the song. However, the actress isn't singing. No, the actress is not. She isn't mic'd, I don't no. believe. I think when she said her line earlier on, she's talking into the kid's mic. Yes. Um, Which, again, fine. She's, oh, she's yeah. a ballet Good for her. Dancer. She gets to speak for once. Yeah, but ballet dancer. She might be singing. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and I apologise. But, but she's not mic'd. So. The way it looks is she's just opening her mouth to mime. Yeah. It's, Compared to the two girls who are sitting next to her yeah. who are part of the ensemble... This is quite a hard song to sing. I, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> they are, um, the two girls next to her have their mouths very wide open, hitting these big notes, and she is speaking it, essentially. Yeah. Which, like, fine. It doesn't yeah. matter. We're not going to hear her anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for that. You've got to... You can barely hear um, Kelly O'Hara when she joins yeah. in because everyone else is singing. You have to play to strengths of your performers sometimes and you yeah. have to make sacrifices to have her dance mm -hmm. beautifully. Yeah. That's what she's primarily here for. Yeah. And how it would have been originally when yeah. this was done was you'd have two actresses. You'd have a, a ballet dancer and an actress to play Like the they did with Oklahoma, the film. Yeah. They kind of tag in. Mm -hmm. I like it this way. Oh, same. I like having the consistency. And I'm sure, because to be on Broadway, you generally have to be a triple threat, mm -hmm. especially for a mostly ensemble act character like Louise, yeah. where you're going to have been somebody else for the whole oh, show. Yeah. There's no reason why you can't have the same actress do both. No, you I'm sure actress... that on Broadway versions or more traditional versions, the ballet sequence isn't as extravagant or beautifully done. I think this is a deliberate choice for the Lincoln Center. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're bringing in the because you wouldn't get the New York Philharmonic on Broadway. No, this is a choice, and therefore doesn't matter if you can't sing. Mm -hmm. However, on Broadway, you'd have a more simplistic version of the dance ballet scene, I think, somebody who can do ballet but serviceably, maybe. Not even. There's a lot of ballet dancers who go into musical theatre yeah. because it's so required. Yeah, and I'm sure it works. Mm -hmm. But the precision, it was beautiful. Yeah. And curtains down. We assume he's a better man. What he... a wonderful afterlife. He is now allowed into actual heaven because he has made the world a better place. And he's learned... Apparently. Yeah, he's learned nothing because he still hits his daughter. He has. He's learned that what he's done wrong in his life shouldn't affect his family. I just... The hitting that is so weird because he says to... I'm going to call him God because you think he's God. But yeah, the Starkey. He God. says, like, I know I'm in the wrong and I did it once, but once is more than I should have ever done. I just... I, and he tries to excuse it. He comes yeah. up with his... So he should never have done it again after that point. But this, the first Heavenly Friend says that to yeah. him. He's like, God, you make the same mistakes over and over again. What is wrong with you? Yeah. And Billy's like, I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. He doesn't learn, I guess. There's no kind of clear he's learned yeah. to become a better person. He's stolen. Yeah. You know. But... I can understand the his frustration of like, I'm trying to help you. And I can't tell you that I'm your dad. Yeah. But hitting her is not the response. I guess the thing is, to get him into heaven, he has shown some kind of selflessness because he's he could presumably use his one day to do anything. Yeah. He's done because he just he wants to make something of his daughter and He doesn't even go back to see Julie, he's there for his daughter. Yeah, exactly. So that in itself is selfless. Yeah. So I understand. I, I'm happy with the ending. So for a Rodgers and Hammerstein musical. Yeah. What did you think? 
Yeah, I enjoyed that. Compared it. to the other ones that we've watched. It's better than Cinderella. Yeah. Better than Oklahoma. However, I think Cinderella was maybe the casting. More okay. than anything else. Obviously, like, Whoopi Goldberg was great in it. Mm-hmm. I think, ultimately, the casting as a whole. Bernadette Peters was great in it. Yeah. But... Well, I found for the next time, which won't be anytime soon, but the yeah. next time we do a Rodgers and Hammerstein, I found the filmed version of the stage musical of South Pacific, cool. which we will definitely be doing yeah. that version and not the film, because I hate the yeah. film. I think, yeah, Cinderella came down to the casting. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe with a more consistently better cast, because yeah. you've got things there, and Brandy is a good performer, as we've seen in other mm-hmm. things. I, just, I mean, it was Brandy or Carly Rae Jepsen, so... Yeah, so, you know, fine. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's got the potential. With Oklahoma, the version we watched, it's too of its time for me to enjoy it. Yeah. If I watched a 2020 version of Oklahoma, mm-hmm. I'm sure I'd enjoy it more, because I think they would make the edits like this one's done. I enjoyed this. I think it's not without its flaws, and it's slow at times. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. I gave it three stars. Yay! You Is know, that the highest rated Rodgers and Hammerstein? I think so. Well, cool. no, it's not, because Sound of Music would be the highest rated. Okay, but we're not watching the Sound no. of Music because you've seen it. I've seen it. I'm so happy that you enjoyed that, though. My favourite song in this one is the Soliloquy. I really like that sequence. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, and it's a really nice moment. I think I really like that moment of realisation and, and pondering everything. Mm-hmm. What's your best song in the song? Oh, um, if I loved you, I love that song. Yeah. Just, it's so nice, and it's it's nice to have main characters or main love interests who are both trying to convince themselves that they're not in love, but doing it so poorly. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just funny, and my, also when I marry Mr. Snow is a great song. My least favorite song is Clambake. This was a real nice Clambake. <laughs> We've had a, a real, real nice, nice time. <laughs> not a real nice song. Did not have a real nice time. No. MVP's a tough one. Simply because they're all very good. Yeah. Oh, um, just gonna, before we do MVP, give a shout out to the actress that played Nettie. She was amazing. She is not in the show very much. You know her, her cousin who's running the clam bake? I was like, who she was a cousin. I yeah. didn't get that. Yeah, that's who she lives with after Billy dies. Okay. Did not get that. No, it, it's like a throwaway line yeah. where they say it, but she was great too. Yeah. I think the whole cast was great. Mm-hmm. I had the most fun. I'm, I'm going to say my MVP is the ballet dancer who played Louise. Tilla Peck. I really like that dance sequence. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was beautiful. Oh, yeah. She was amazing, especially because she wasn't in point shoes either. She yeah. was in flats, which... Is interesting for a ballet sequence, but she was great. Yeah, I really liked mm-hmm. that whole sequence, and yeah, it was long, and I loved. It. I was captivated for the whole yeah. thing. So she's my MVP. I think that was the highlight of this. Cool. Who's your MVP? Are you saying probably Jason Daniele, Enoch Snow? He, he was, was funny. He was my second. He yeah. was, I've, I've written Louise and Enoch. Yeah. He anytime he was on, I was watching him yes. for his reaction. And he was having fun and he was the most fun character, which is yeah. why I said that. However, it hurts me to say that because I love Kelly O'Hara, I love Jessica. Oh yeah, Miller. But I just don't think those characters get enough. They're not that interesting. No. They're really not. But Carrie's hilarious as a character. It's nice to have a funny Yeah, but they just don't get enough yeah. 
I know. That's exactly why I haven't said that. Yeah. And again, Enoch doesn't get enough, which is why, like, whenever he's on, I loved him. But I do think in terms of, like, making a contribution that's meaningful. Yeah. Louise, just that dance is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was left with. The role I would want to play is Enoch. Yeah. I like Bill, and I like, like you say, the meaty kind of, there's... be interesting to see whether you could make him hated and sympathetic by playing him, but, like, at the same time. It's the same as Waitress. Yeah. The husband, like... Yeah, but you're not meant to feel sorry for him. You're not meant to feel sorry for him, and that's the thing, is I don't think I... I think you've got more of an opportunity to make people feel bad for Enoch. Yeah. However, and it's a nice meaty role, I still would like to be... Enoch, I think he's great. I just, mm -hmm. I loved it whenever he was on and he had fun and he's just, he is so silly and it's great. Mm -hmm. Who did you want to play? Uh, obviously Carrie. Yeah. Carrie's hilarious. I, you'd never be cast as him. I'm not an ingenue. Yeah. It's not my casting type. I am the silly best friend, which even in this, Carrie is not the, the funny best friend's nice. casting type. But all the ways, if I could dance. Yeah. Give me the magic powers to sing I mean, this soprano You're and always to dance asking which role would I play. <laughs> I always say it's hypothetical because yeah. there's no chance I'm ever going to be asked to play any of these roles. Mm -hmm. you know, people have heard me sing. They've not seen me dance and they'll realise if they ever do see me dance, why? Yeah. <laughs> so that was Carousel. Yeah. Bit more success with Rodgers and Hammerstein this time, so Good. well done. I'm glad. Well done. Do you think maybe it had something to do with the fact that we were watching a staged version? Staged version, but I think also maybe a more modern version. I think helped. Because you're looking at it and you're addressing the issues that don't work. Mm -hmm. You know. So next week is going to be a return to Annie. And the wonderful Disney. Yeah. Which we've had such a good running track record with so far. Yes, but this does have promise. I like Kathy Bates. Yeah. So we're going to go back to Annie. We're going to continue our series to find the definitive Annie viewing experience. It's yep. the Dave project. Mm -hmm. I think we've got a better cast for you this time. Cool. This is my friend Chris. He says this is his favourite version of Annie. This is the best one, he said. Cool. So <laughs> I'm hoping you like it. We will then be going to Chicago. Yep. Then I don't have anything lined up. I have today. it coming for me, apparently. Yeah, you do. What would you like to see? Yeah, what should we do after Chicago? We've got two weeks lined up, and then maybe you could suggest one for us. Yeah. Maybe we'll do a poll. I quite like to watch Spongebob. I know it's up there. I yeah. know that we, we can access Spongebob Beauty yeah, and it's online. I've got it. I'd quite like to do Spongebob. Okay. I'm not going to lie. But we'll think of maybe a few other ones and you can kind of help influence us. We'll maybe come up with three and you can be a part of the programming for the end of August. Yeah. So you can look out for that poll. I'm sure it will be coming. It will be on Twitter mm -hmm. at It's a Musical Pod. So make sure you follow us mm -hmm. for the latest news and updates. You can follow us on Instagram, same handle, at It's a Musical Pod. Yep. You can email us. At it's a musical pod at gmail.com. Yes, let us know your thoughts. Have you seen Carousel? Have you seen the version we've watched, Lincoln Center? It's on YouTube, so definitely recommend watching it. But have you seen other version? Do you like it? Is it something that you think is problematic? What are your thoughts on Carousel? And what yeah. are your thoughts on Annie 2? <laughs> Annie 2. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> is that what we're calling it? Yeah. 
Yeah. It's the not sequel to Annie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get in touch. We love it when we hear from you guys. Yeah. And as usual, have a magical musical month.